Wrestling fans, this April in Jacksonville, Florida, the Spartan Combat Nationals are returning. Wrestle a different style each day, April 8th through the 10th, 2022, at the Spartan Combat Nationals. Register now at SpartanCombat.com. Now let's get to the show. When you talk about greatness, you got to bring in longevity. You know, you can be good for two, three years, five years, but... I think I learned uh, not too long ago that the average coaching term is like five years. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's, 5% 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is Frank Papalizio, the owner, the CEO, the man behind Journeyman Wrestling. It's a club in upstate New York that's been around for, man, coming up on two decades. They also host clinics, and, you know, Frank is a real staple in the wrestling world, and he's an innovator. And he's the guy behind the collegiate wrestling duels coming up on Rockfin December 20th through the 21st, which is like the latest rendition of the national duel. So Frank is, uh, he's the man and he's the brother of Pat Papalizio, head coach at North Carolina state. Uh, Pat has been on this podcast before via episode 199. So check out episode 199 to hear the interview we did with Pat. During this conversation, Frank also mentions an epic car ride with Pat Smith. Of course, we've had Pat Smith on the podcast, and you can find that episode via episode number 208. So episode 208 to hear the full Pat Smith interview. And that's it, folks. Let's move on to Fan of the Week. And this week's Fan of the Week goes to... We got it right here. We got it right here. It is our friend Annalise Whitmer. That's at Annalise underscore Whitmer on the gram. She's going out of her way to promote women's wrestling, and you know she's just doing a fantastic job with that. Annalise Whitmer on Instagram. Check her out and support her cause, Girls Can Wrestle. And without further ado, let's give it up for the Italian stallion, Frank Papalizio. Peace! Frank Papalizio, welcome to the podcast, sir. It's my pleasure. I'm excited for this conversation. We're going to talk about a little backstory and uh, just how journeyman came to be what it is today. But, you know, first and foremost, we have the uh, 
the dual championships returning and you've uh, ushered this in kind of walk us through what this event is and how it came to, came to be. Well, uh, it's, you know, we all know the, the big elephant in the room is, uh, you know, the, the absence of the national duels and, uh, I'm not sure that the fans may, may be thirsty for that, but I'm not sure the, um, you know, the, the teams necessarily wanted that. So I was asked if I would be interested in putting together something that would showcase high stake duels. And I was like, I'm all about that. And, and that's where the energy was put on. And, and that's what people, uh, the teams that I was talking to wanted to do. They really don't have a, an interest in seeing somebody that they already see or they're going to see uh, when it matters and counts, uh, you know, whether it's the conference championship or then seeing them again in the, you know, the qualifying tournament and stuff like that. So this was the best situation we could come up with that, uh, that got everyone excited and wanted to be a part of it. So is that why you have the two pools and like the winners of those pools won't wrestle each other, right? Like Iowa and Penn state aren't going to meet up. Yeah, the whole the whole sticking point was for schools that they're already scheduled to see each other. They don't want to really sign up to to do that again. You know, Cornell doesn't want to see Lehigh again. Virginia Tech doesn't want to see NC State again and vice versa. And Iowa doesn't want to see Penn State and Penn State doesn't want to see Iowa. And you can go down the list. So how do we get all these good teams to wrestle good matches. And this is something that they thought was uh, palatable and acceptable and exciting. So that's what we came up with. How did you go about picking the teams? Well, we looked at the, the top producer last year in the, in the conference, right? Um, dual meet wise. Um, I'm sure there's some wiggle room in there, but uh, especially with the EIWA where you had, some of the schools that weren't weren't wrestling um you know the, the ivies weren't weren't a part of it but we went with what we had or the teams that were interested in in you know being a part of it you know you you're creating something from nothing so in theory i mean it sounds good but when you're you're asking somebody to jump in it's um you know sometimes it's a little more difficult than one may think and some of the teams you got on the slate are just amazing. Iowa, Penn State, Cornell, Lehigh, NC State, VTech. I know there's a bunch more in there. Um, Arizona State. Missouri. Arizona State. That's right. Missouri. Yeah. I mean, geez. And it, you know what? And I think it's important to articulate this as well. There's, there's some smaller schools that elected to participate, like Central Michigan, like Hofstra, like Binghamton. And that matters. It matters to them and it matters to us. You know, uh, the other part of this is if you make it too steep uh, and too rich, it, it becomes problematic as well. We're, we're, I'm not sure we have the same appetite at that point. Nobody, I mean, nobody has said that, but I, I know from past experience, if it gets too heavy, too rich where teams are, you know, they're only the killers. Um, you know, people get banged up. 
people take losses, people, you know, it just, it throws it off. You have to have balance. And I, I tip my hat to the, to those schools that technically are over their head, right. Mm -hmm. To participate in this, but they also know that there's going to be a big audience. There's, there's, you know, there's recognition There's there's people going to be watching their program front and center and uh, it gives them a, a forum, you know, and not, you know, the, the other part of this is we're doing it in a, a unique forum where there's profit sharing that, that can be had for these programs. So for a small program, that stuff matters. Definitely. And it's, it's important because, you know, so many guys don't go to those, those uh, blue blood programs and, you know, those, those, you know, I'm going to call them mid-tier programs, but whatever they are, those are, you know, we need those out there. And those are the lifeblood of wrestling. And those are the guys putting high school coaches, uh, training high school coaches now five years down the road, you know, so the more of those we have, it's crucial. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just telling you, it's in a, it was equally a part of the formula uh, as it was, you know, getting the, the, you know, the big hammers in there too. It's a, it's a two-way, it's a two-way street. How, when did it switch from, you know, we all remember the, the duels that were at UNI, yeah, D1, D2, D3, JUCOs all together. And uh, you would, you know, you would see a lot of, uh, a lot of top programs there. And then it kind of fell off. Um, how did they, I guess, how, how were the guys doing the duels back in the 90s able to get all those top programs there? And when did it change to not wanting to engage like that multiple times? I, I don't know. You'd have to, you know, you have to ask the leaders of, of the programs on what, you know, whether there is a change of appetite or maybe, maybe there isn't, maybe there hasn't been anybody, you know, pulling them to, to do these things or, or inspiring them to do them or motivating them, whatever word you want. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, it's, it, the sport has kind of evolved a little bit where, you know, you're, you're so worried about your conference and some of the conferences are so, they're so darn tough that I don't know if you, you know, necessarily want to sign up to, to go tougher or even more tough, you know, and it, the fans want it, but I don't know if the program from the, from the health, you know, health standpoint of their, their guys, you know, whether you need it or not to have success at the end, mm -hmm. you know, the, the other part of it is sometimes they look at it like, well, we're ultimately judged by how we do at the NCAA tournament and duels by and large, uh, don't carry the same weight. However, fans like duels, you know, it really resonates with them. So, so there's, there's a place for it. I think there's, there's value in duels. And I think that this is what it's all about right now. We're going to see exactly what the value is with high stake duels, um, you know, big matches, non-conference matches, and we'll get to be able to, I guess, quantify that and, and, and look at it. So that's why we're doing it. And people can watch it on Rockfin December yeah. 20th, 20 and 21. Um, we got, there's a, you know, a, a brand new channel that we created so that there's nothing in the way of, of uh, it's pure, right? Everything that, that we bring in is going to the programs that are participating. That's a cool so part it, it about made, it. Yeah. It's, it's the biggest part about it, you know, and um I think that's important. Get to see what the worth is. And you've been putting on camps, clinics, and events for, for a really long time in the, in the upper New York area. Yep. And 
you know, your brother's at NC State, you did a lot of mentoring of him and, you know, traveled out to Oklahoma State a lot. We're going to get to some of that, but I just want to ask to kind of start your push to start Journeyman, you know, Title IX decimated Upper New York area. What were the programs like pre-Title IX? Um, well, you, you had like Syracuse was a, it was right next to us, right? Um, you had Union College was a D- Division Three, but it was right in Schenectady, New York, where we had grown up Albany. University, you know, Albany was a was a big one that Joe DeMeo had coached and he produced some of the top Olympians for Greco-Roman uh, and they had those guys stayed home and went through, you know, Albany. Um, and it, the list goes goes on and on and on. Um, but there was a lot out of New York that. It was it was literally right here. Right. And now now it's, uh, you know, we have. Well, they, they have obviously division re- division one wrestling in New York, but Title IX really did a you know did a good job at decimating those opportunities, whether they were D one, two, or three. You know, so for me, you know, when we were growing up, and um, my well, I should say my brothers, and I was coaching my brothers when we had to go through that recruiting process, um, specifically my brother Pat we were just ignorant, right? We, we really didn't have a lot to turn to um, from experience or programs in the area that we could lean on and, and feel comfortable asking questions. So you, you kind of figured it out as you, as you went. And that really was the birth of journeyman for, for us. That's what created like almost like an educational uh, tool to, to get guys uh, where they belong and not, not, not just guess, right. Just the whole process was, of, it was just guessing and to have some formal uh, education behind it. So is that overwhelming when, when Pat was going through it, all the different people you were having to call and all the different offers and things like that? You're just ignorant, right? I mean, when you're ignorant to something, you don't even know what you don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there was a funny story about that. And I'll let my brother talk about it a little bit, you know, when you, when you, someday when you can get him to, to visit, but um, he was, he was back and forth with um, Pitt and Oklahoma state. And, you know, Pitt had done a really good job. Uh, Dan Payne was the assistant coach at the time over there. And I think he's the, he's the head guy at USA rugby now. Um, but he okay. was an assistant at Pitt and he was a fantastic human being. You know, he, he was recruiting Pat and he did everything right. And in the 11th hour, coach Smith comes in and does the magic, you know, and kind of pulls my brother in a different direction. But at that point, my brother had signed his intent to go to Pitt, but he didn't send it in. He had it downstairs sitting there and then he, you know, he changed his mind and at the 11th hour, he's going to go to Oklahoma state. He tells Pitt, but my dad, the next morning brings in the mail to go to work and he sends in the letter. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) So we had to deal with that, the repercussions of that. And, you know, just, we were, we were, we were out to lunch. Um, But thank God Stoudemire was a good, you know, good guy on it. And, 
he honored the wishes of what my brother wanted to do. I'm sure that could have been a complete nightmare and, and how that went. But that's one of the crazy stories that we were, when we started, you know, going through recruiting and figuring it all out. But that was a big, you know, I think my brother looked back, I think he had like 12 offers, 13 offers, something like that. But, you know, you don't know. Sometimes you just don't know what the, the program's, you know, what their culture is and, and things like that. So there takes a, there, there's a learning curve there. Think about now when they can recruit earlier than it was back in your guys's day, yeah, right? right? Isn't it like a year earlier? Well, you know, these guys are committing 10th grade. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's a whole different, yeah, it's a whole different creature now, you know. You get a girlfriend your junior year and she's going to Okie State, that could change everything, you know? <laughs> Once you get to Oklahoma, it's, uh, you know, it's, you, you see the, uh, you see the culture there and you see, you know, you see the people out there and it's a, it's a different world. You know, that was, that was the other thing, just, you know, going out there uh, for my brother, we, we had a damn time to try to get him to leave there. <laughs> it was all over. He almost became permanent fixture for John Smith. <laughs> I mean, how can you say no to that? Like you said, the Stillwater environment, you know, it's so special. And, you know, for you, you know, a growing wrestling coach at the time and you're just a fanatic about it, it had to be like kind of getting the keys to a gold mine to improve your coaching game. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the truth is I wasn't, I wasn't exceptionally fantastic at coaching. I mean, I didn't technique wise, I didn't, I didn't know a whole hell of a lot of anything. Um, but I, I studied, you know, I, I was into it. I, I had a mentor. Joe Benna was our mentor who was, you know, one of the greatest coaches maybe ever of anything. Uh, it didn't necessarily have to be wrestling. He just taught you how to be a great human being and a, and a great, he was just a winner, right? He, he taught people how to win, win in life. And so, you know, that was our foundation. And then, and then we had guys like Andy Saris coming in the room, Jeff Blatnick coming in the room. So, you know, we, we had a solid base, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same as being influenced by Tom and Terry brands or, or John Smith or Kevin Jackson, you know, like it was, it was, a uh, it was more Greco, you know, slanted. Um, and not, not that there's anything wrong with it. It's just different. Right. Mm -hmm. So by the time, you know, my brother's matured and, and, and is headed out there, I had an opportunity to be, you know, just to be around. Um, and I took it. I literally took it. I would take vacation. I'd go out there. Uh, any days off I could get, I'd go out there. And I would study. I literally study. I'd have a, you know, a video camera. And I would, I would record everything that I was allowed to record. I'd write stuff down and I would drill. And, you know, I would try to learn as much as I could. And it did. It, it had a huge impact. And I'll, I'll tell you a little spinoff on this. One of the years, I don't, I don't remember exactly when, but my brother, maybe he was in his second year there. Um, and it was at summer camp, you know, Oklahoma State's doing their, their kids camp and my brother's working camp and Pat Smith walks in. I had never met Pat at that point. Maybe it was the first year. I don't know. I hadn't met Pat. <clears throat> and he says, yo, I need somebody come with me. I got to go to, I'm doing a clinic in Colorado and I need somebody <laughs> to come with me. And I was like, uh, I don't know the guy. So I'm, I didn't, I had no part of the, the conversation. 
And my brother's like, now's your time, you know, go. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't even know the guy. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to get about get involved with that. And next thing I know, Pat Smith looks at me. He's like, you want to go? And I, I'm like, go where? He's like, Colorado. We're, we'll take a trip out there and uh, you can help me with a clinic. And at that part of my life, you know, as much as I was committed to wrestling, I was real straight and narrow with work. Like I had it all lined up. I can't miss work. You know, I'm going to be back on this day. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going right. I call up work. I'm like, I'm going to be gone an extra three days. I'm not coming in. And I call my, my wife who was a girlfriend at the time. I'm like, I'm not coming home. You know? And it's like, what the hell's going on? You know, but uh, it was an eight hour ride from Stillwater to Estes park, eight and a half hours, something like that. Uh, and I, I got, what an experience. I got the notepads, but you know, eight and a half hours, one way. Then that's a long then time overnight. You know, we're in a cabin together talking. Uh, and then, you know, I was his demo partner, you know, so how, what better way can you, you know, learn finishes off a single leg, you know, and then an eight and a half hours back. And we talked about everything, right? You talked about life, death, everything in between. And I became really good friends with Pat Smith. And that really is what catapulted, you know, for me, it took me right into a different hemisphere. And that, that allowed me to, um, you know, some great opportunity. How so? Well, they, they liked me, right? You know, and then once they like you, they're willing to listen to you. And, you know, I say, Pat, can you come over to New York? And I want to do a clinic with you. I want to bring you in my club. Well, you know, I don't know. I'll check my calendar and, you know, boom, I get them into New York. And then, you know, from there, then I, I start hitting John about doing camps. And he was like, oh, my God, get away from me. And, you know, I was a dog on a bone. Uh, and finally, he, I think I broke him. But, geez, we've been doing, you know, I don't know, we might be doing like 16 years of camp now with, um, with John Smith. So it's had a, you know, it's had a pretty good, uh, it was good for me. I don't know if it was as good for them, but it was good for me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they've been a big influence for me. Man, Pat's one of those guys that just makes you feel welcome from the second you meet him. You know, instantaneous. Instantaneous. It yeah. was, you know, I remember I fell asleep right as we were entering the Stillwater line. Right. It was like the county line. I I I fell asleep and he whale bit me. He reached, he slapped me on the leg, <laughs> squeezed it, and he's like, Wake up, sunshine. Right. And he locks on and I <laughs> I bow up, you know, and I'm like, I'll knock your ass out. Right. And <laughs> I was sleeping. Right. I had no idea what I was saying or doing. And he's like, whoa, <laughs> you, got a, you got a little flair to you. <laughs> oh, so we went, we went from not knowing each other to, uh, you know, I threatened to knock him out, which was <laughs> my life. But <laughs> yeah, it's Dan, that is so funny. Uh, God, I, just, I can't even imagine uh, the conversations that were covered. And like you said, it's about getting them to, to trust you as much as anything so that they'll open up, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Fantastic. And the camp you did with John, is that something where you bring them out in the summertime and expose them to your club? Yep. We still do it to this day. Um, you know, we came, these last year was, was still dealing with the pandemic in New York, you know, and we're still having to navigate through that, but you know, and it, as tough of a time as it was for me here, we still had 125 kids come through the camp, you know, and that 
I think that speaks volumes, you know, one that he's willing to come out and still support our area. Right. And for, for our area, they look at it like I'm still going to, I'm going to support him, you know, and, and it's, so there's been a long history there. And uh, John's been a mentor to me, you know, overall, um, you know, I've, I've had like obviously a tenure to work with him on, on certain things. So uh, he's got a special place for me. Definitely. I mean, look at that duel you guys did in Italy. I mean, that that's pretty special there to pull something like that off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the thing you need people to say, yes. You know, you, you have ideas and it's like, Hey, I, I got this crazy thing I want to do. And you need somebody to say yes. And once, once you get that, you can, you know, sky's the limit, right? You can really do, well, look what we're talking about. We're talking about Italy, but the, the college duels, mm-hmm. you know, the collegiate duels that we're, we're talking about too. That's why we're on this call originally. When you get people to say yes, um, you know, starting from something from nothing is the hardest thing in the world to do. So yeah, John was one of the first guys to say yes to that. And uh, we ran with it. I'll say, uh, yes, you're right. Getting people to say yes is a big part, but following through on something is the other end that you rarely see, especially in wrestling. Everyone's got ideas and people are always calling you, but I mean, obviously you're a guy that follows through on stuff. And is that yeah. something like passed down from, from the Joe Bennett's of the world, or is that just something distilled in the, uh, the uh you know, I gotta, I gotta say, you know, we, our family, you know, first generation, my dad, dad came over from Italy. Um, my grandparents on my mom's side coming over, you know, um, or their, their, their lineage came over there, like their sisters and brothers. Um, some of them were already here. Uh, but I think that really molded us. Um, you know, sky is the limit, whatever you want to do, you got to get after, you got to work. Don't say something you don't mean. And, you know, all that kind of stuff is how we grew up, you know, and, and my dad was, he would do crazy ass things, you know, where he would jump into maybe an industry that he has no idea anything about, but he had confidence in himself and in the perseverance to figure it out. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and you'd look in and you'd be like, Oh my God, he's over his head. And son of a bitch would figure it out, right? He, <laughs> he would figure out how to get, um, you know, I don't know, one time he was buying horses and I'm listening to him. He's going back and forth and, and uh, he's like, oh, you played football? No kidding. You know, where'd you play? And he was talking to Roger Staubach, you know, and <laughs> he, had, he had no idea. He had literally no idea how good, you know, Roger Staubach. He never heard of Roger Staubach in his life, right? It was... Yeah. He's just, you know, he's an immigrant. He was just completely ignorant to um, American football. But, <laughs> you know, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, uh, it's those kind of things where, you know, in hindsight, you look back and you, you know, obviously there's something there that you don't stop. You don't stop. And you do. You got to, you know, you got to follow through with what you say. And, and if you can't, you better go down swinging hard. You better go it- down swinging hard. And like the risk factor, like you guys aren't afraid to take risks, which I love. And that that's something that's been a big part of your life as well, because you used to be full-time in the insurance business and now you're full-time in the wrestling business. Yeah. You know, the greater the risk, the greater the return. That was one of the first things you learned (laughs) in business. Right. Right. But with that, 
you know, there's a lot of, there's uncertainty. Um, you know, the, the truth is uh, I've been blessed. I, you know, my wife has been, you know, I've been with her for since I was like 19 years old. Right. So she's always been supportive. It's like, no, go for it. Let's go. You know, you know, you can do it. You, nobody's on the other side saying, don't do it. What are you doing? Stop. You know, and that, that matters too. You know, you, when the support that you, you have going through it, like you don't just wake up and become good, right? You, you, it's a process. And Mm -hmm. through that, through that process, you need, you need support and you need incremental victories. Uh, And those are things that I've been fortunate. I've been along the way, you know, I remember those little stupid things like my, you know, my first clinic was Teague Moore. Um, He was my first guy that I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I, I was able to convince him to come in and, you know, just do a clinic. I think there was 30 guys there, Mm -hmm. but that that's a victory, right? And that victory allows you to have some confidence, some success. And then you, you go to the next thing. And then, you know, and then at one point we had Pat Smith and Cal Sanderson together, you know, two, the only two four timers, you know, to put that together was took a little bit more courage, took a little bit more like, Hey, am I going to have enough money to, to give these guys what they're worth? And, and then making a little bit for me for all the time and energy to put. So you, you start building like that. And then next thing you know, you're, you know, you're running. Yeah. And a big part of that sounds like you know, the ability to develop relationships. And, you know, that's, that's a, that's a thing tossed around a lot in business, but it's not like just going out and making them. It's just doing the right thing and developing trust. Um, and I'm sure, like you said, your dad taught you a lot about that. I'm just curious when he came over initially in the fifties, what was, what was his initial job? And like, what, what did he make a living at? I just love hearing about family history. Um, good, good question. Um, they hustled, right. They were, they were real hustling kind of guys. And, um, the first thing that they did was they were starting to work in a nightclub. Um, you know, as he, I'm talking like in their early in their ninth, 19, 20 years old, right. They started working in a nightclub called the aerodrome. Um, and it was a, it was a big club where big time stars would come Janis Joplin, you know, um, you know, uh, I think Zeppelin was there, like big, big groups. Um, and, and they were, they were running the bar, my uncle and, and, and my dad, and they would realize that these guys would come in and, you know, they would get ready to do a concert and stuff like that. And they would need equipment like, Hey, I broke the strings on my uh, guitar or I need new sticks on the drums and, and, or the head broke on the, on the drums. And I'm, I'm ignorant to, yeah, yeah, I I don't, I'm not in the music industry, but either was my dad. And so he, he figured out there was a, there was a void there. And then they created a music store off of that. And it took off. And at one point was one of the bigger ones in the country, you know, uh, at that, in that time, in that era. Um, And that, you know, that kind of stuff put them to another level, you know, and that, took risk, took a chance. That is awesome. And that's just all from seeing a, a void and, and acting on it. Yeah. Well, or having the, um, the courage to take, take a chance, you know, but yeah, 
you know, you got to remember where you're coming from. You know, you're coming from an area that right after World War II, um, you know, there wasn't anything really going on uh, in Italy where, you know, you're starving. So people, people were looking for a new beginning and um, they're looking for freedom, you know, to, to really prosper. And, you know, I look back and I, I, I look at both sides of the family and they were, they're very successful in their, their endeavors. And I can't help but to feel that that's, that's pretty common with most immigrants, you know, that you get put in a position that you got to, you don't really, you know, you burn the boat, right? You, you burn yeah. the boat. And once you get here, you got to, got to make it happen. Got to go so, for it. Yeah. We, and, and, you know, that, I think that is the biggest factor overall of um, just the, the mindset that was instilled, at least with our family unit. And it was good. You know, I, it's all good. I love, and, you know, I love that part of it. Um, but it's not all roses, as you know, right. There's some of that stuff carries dysfunction, craziness, um, you know, and that's also what builds character too. If you survive it and you can metabolize it, I mean, we're being honest, we're, we're having an honest talk, right? Yeah. That stuff, there's a lot of wackiness too that that's built into it. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, if you, if you can weather that, then you become, you know, it's to your advantage. It's such a fine balance of luck, a little bit of cojones, a little bit of, uh, you know, doing the right thing consistently over time. So it all kind of goes together. Yeah. You got to get lucky too. And Joe Benning used to always say that you got to do all the right things and you need luck. You know, you do, you need a little luck. Is it, Joe... you, know, you get a little bad luck and, and you know, it's over, right? It's all, it just doesn't work out. Is the he, great he, Joe Benning still with us? He, no, he passed a couple years ago. He literally, he was honestly, he was really, um, what a legend. I mean, really a legend. I, I never met another person that didn't feel that this guy was one of like, he was literally a, like a living saint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it really, it, it was, it, there's a few people in your life that you will meet maybe one, maybe two that they are, they're just at a different level, right? They're, they're, they're firing at a different, from a different place. Uh, he was one of them. It just, he was very, um, the wisdom was, was unbelievable. And it really wasn't, it wasn't as if he was a super technical guy wrestling. It really didn't have much to do with wrestling. It just was do the right thing. Do the right, you know, constantly about, um, you know, just making the right decisions and what would you do and, you know, this, and there was, so many times during my tenure, I think back, you know, guy gets injured. It's for the championship guy got slammed. If we lay down, it's the last match. If, if our guy lays down, we win, you know? And he said, if there's no crowd here, I, I literally was listening. You know, if there's no crowd here, would you stand up and would you be able to continue? And he said, yes. And he said, then that's what we're going to do right now. And you know, the guy got slaughtered. You know, he, right. and we lose the duel and we lose the championship and, and all that. It's just, uh, but when you're young, you know, you look at that stuff and it's like, whoa, <laughs> and it leaves an indelible mark. It's a, it's a big part of it. So was he a hard ass guy or more of like an empathizer? No, no not hard at all. Uh, you know, he, he had his moments of, 
you know, you'd hear a swear word and it was like, you know, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but it was more of, um, you know, just real mellow um, and just getting you to see clarity when it was, you know, when it was a little clouded. But if you act like an asshole, you know, he was going to grab you by the neck, you know, squeeze you by the, the scruff there and, and grab you. You know, it was a different era, though, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, but not, but he didn't, he didn't go out of his way looking for that. You really had to, you had to earn it. And how long did you get to coach with him for? So as soon as I graduated, it was 1989, my high school career came to an end and I didn't, I didn't, I really had a passion to coach, right? So I was so fixated and sticking around and helping my brothers. So I did that. And, and, and I not only had my brothers, I had cousins there too. So we had, we really had, um, you know, a family investment really in it. And I stuck around for a couple of years there, maybe three or three. And then I went to Springfield college and I coached at spring when I was in Springfield at a place called cathedral, um, small, you know, Catholic school. And then I still would come home when I could, you know, weekends and stuff like that. I would, I still come on in and try to coach there. And then once I graduated from Springfield college, I stayed with Benna until the day he left Niskayuna. And I can't remember, it must've been 15, 16 years ago, maybe mm -hmm. even a little longer when he left Niskayuna, I switched gears and I went to Shenandoah, which is a crosstown rival, but my, I had relatives that were in this town. So I had no more blood at Niskayuna. Benna left Niskayuna. And I said, now's the time I switched over and I worked with my cousin, TJ Papalizio, Luke Papalizio, who were, you know, state level guy. TJ wrestled at Brown, played soccer at Brown, went on to win a national title at Indiana in soccer. Wow. Right? I mean, he was, he was stud and my cousin Luke stud, uh, two-time New York state runner up. So I had the opportunity to give to these guys and, and, and be, and, and, and enhanced me, you know, being mm -hmm. working with them. They're third cousins. So it's not like we're, we were super, super close leading up to that. You know, they were little guys, right. And then young guys, I should say, mm -hmm. but that changed my whole relationship with them. I got to coach them and, you know, they're, they're some of the closest people I have now in my life, you know, that, so that was a great experience for me, um, be able to work with them. Was it a big, uh, was it a big doings in your area when you went to the rival school? Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> that's funny. You bring that up. That actually, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking about talking about it, you know, but 16 years ago, it was, a, you know, I, I remember distinctly, um, we had to wrestle them in a match. It was like the first year. And some of the guys turned their back on me when, <laughs> you know, to shake hands. Uh, but, you know, I understand their perspective too. You know, we, you know, I, I built a lot of those guys or I contributed, I should say to their, some of their success. And, you know, they felt like I abandoned them, but yeah. it was hard, you know, you, but once you make that move, it was, uh, it was for the better I had, you know, family there. And I live, I now live in the town that I, that I switched over to. So gotcha. I was all in. I was all in. It's funny how, like, looking back now, it probably seems like uh, 
you know, small in comparison to things, but, uh, you know, when you've been at a program that long, it's like, I'm sure everyone thought you just take over for Joe Benna, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, but I wasn't a teacher. Mm. So doing that, I thought was a disadvantage to the program. I, I always looked at the formula of success that many of these, um, these guys have had before me and they have, you know, these guys coached for 50 years. Mm-hmm. They're, they're legends, right? Jack Lombard, um, Joe Benna, you know, Chicanis. Uh, the, these are guys in New York, upstate New York, that have such longevity. Um, but they're all, they were all in the school district. Mm-hmm. And they were going through the halls, pulling people out and, you know, grabbing people and, and making, you know, Joe Benna found Blatnik in a fire drill. You know, we need a heavyweight, you know, you know, and, and that's the legend of Jeff Blatnick. That's how they got him. Right. It was in the middle of a fire drill outside and they pulled him in and, you know, he couldn't, he didn't, he wasn't very good initially and then got him to believe in the system. Systems are important. Right. And Mm -hmm. got him to, to be a huge success. Um, But when I, you know, I look back and it was like, I'm, I'm not in that. And I, I knew I would have done a disservice overall to that program by not, by not being in there. So it was, the reality was, it was, it was a selfless move. I, yeah, I would have loved to take over Niskuna, but that would that wasn't the right move in my mind's eye. And I, I've read a couple of times you've, you've given quotes then, and your big thing is longevity, right? It doesn't mean anything if you burn out in five years, you know, you're, and you, I even, Red, you say that like 50 year careers. I'm thinking like, man, who's coaching for 50 years. But I guess these guys were back in that era. That's maybe that even era. Yep. That's great. I'm glad you brought that up. Really? Honestly, that's a, uh, that's, you know, there's guys that are really good and they become like a flash in the pan, you know, where you, you know, I, I guess I'll say it again. I think when you talk about greatness, you got to bring in longevity. You know, you can be good for two, three years, five years, but I think I learned uh, not too long ago that the average coaching term is like five years, right? Mm-hmm. Guys, by and large, they kind of, they, they find their way out, they burn out, they fry, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not, I mean, I'm saying that's the average, right? Um, but man, if you, if you can do something 20 years, 25 years, 30 years, um, you have, you're really having an impact. Uh, and I'm not saying those guys didn't have an impact five years, right? But sometimes just slow it down, right? And you know, take take that pace uh, to the end. But I don't know. I, you know, for me, it's I don't. I, I'm not a stud in anything, right? I don't. I'm not a. I'm not fantastic in any area, but I'm a grinder. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think I can grind with the best of them. I. You know, I can work 20 hours in a day, not even think anything of it. Um, and I think that that mentality of slow and steady um, kind of gets you gets you to a different place. And I'm still still grinding. I, you know, started what in 89. Right. right. Um, so I'd like to continue to do that and and still have success stories. Right. Um, that's important, you know, that win some of these things. Well, the more I, I get removed from high school, I'm 32, and yeah, I interview a lot of guys on this podcast who are in coaching, and, and I, I sit back and go, man, the high school coaches of the world, you know, they, they're gone from three to six every night, 
you know, now that I'm in, I'm engaged, I'm starting to realize the domestic duties, you know, of like being gone all the time. It's tough, you know? And so you're gone every Saturday, you're gone, you know, till six, seven o'clock every night. I'm like, God, that's a, that's a thankless job. And those guys are doing that on the regular. Yep. And I still do it. Right. I have my own club. Yep. Um, and I, I run tournaments. I do, I got a farm, I got a family, I got everything, but I still have, I still coach scholastically. The high school season. I still coach. I got to be out of here. You know, I'm looking at my class like, <laughs> and you, it, that really resonates with me. When you talk about from three to six, your day is shut down. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can't get work done. You can't do anything. You can't be reached. It's, it's like being in the bathroom. You know, you, <laughs> it's just like you're inaccessible. You can't, right. you know, your whole everything, just three to six. And then Saturday rolls around all day. Now, the college coaches are getting hammered too. You know, they, you know, I see the work that those guys put in and it's, oh. it's thankless, you know, not, no money that they're getting paid is worth the grind that they're, they're also doing. There's no downtime. There's, there's really no down if they're doing it, you know, taking it serious, but yeah, high school, high school coaching is a, is a tough thing. And when I look back and I see guys that have 40, 50 years in they're legends legends they are they're man legends. i love hearing about them i just had some gentlemen on from pa last week one of their coaches his name's bill zimmerman mr z probably yep. never heard of him coach for 51 years and he's that guy like every one of his former wrestlers they talk about they're like that guy's the best coach in the world and they started a scholarship in his honor and they dedicated on the podcast 100 grand that they are going to be giving awesome. out to wrestlers and like it sounds like to you joe ben is like yes any of his former wrestlers He's going to be like a godly figure, like a saint. Ask, ask Nick if you can get Nick Wisdowski on. Yeah, he's Wisdow- been on. After yeah. Benna left, he went to a farm town. L- literally, I think they have 180 boys in the school, right? And that's where Gwiz comes from, okay? Wow. And and he, he was able to get – that, that was the thing, right? Like, so I'm 51 years old. Right, gonna be fifty-one, and Quiz is what? What's what's Quiz? Is he thirty? I I, I don't know. Probably 30, 29, 30. Yeah, he's yeah. In, he's in that 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 I think that era. But he, he Benna could relate to to Quiz. He could relate to the guy that's and still in high school. That's fifteen. He could relate to me, and then he could relate to Blatnik. He could relate <laughs> to you know and and his contemporaries, right? And to be able to, I don't know, it's a real art. It's a gift, right? To be able to, to still have um, power to get to all those different age groups. And like those guys that are coming, talking about Coach Z, right? Zimmerman. Um, you know, they, they're looking at that guy like, he's a legend. He, mm-hmm. he changed my life. Uh, and you look at it and like, he didn't just do it for 10 years, right? You did it for 51 years. So you got decades changing, right? Different personalities, different, different um, eras. And he's able to remain relevant through it all. And they all have the same perspective of him, you know, that, that he, he was the man. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I, I, I look at that. That's a, that gives me pause for thought. Definitely. And I know you, you got to run. I just want to run two quick things by you. I know you were on the, uh, the cadet work world team staff this summer and, uh, you know, just a 
the hammers on that team are ridiculous. When you look at how good some of these young guys are now, how does it compare to like when you and Pat were back in high school trying to figure things it's out? It's actually, um, it's embarrassing, right? Like, <laughs> like, like I look at the level and it's, um, these guys can wrestle. I mean, really wrestle where technically they're, they're light years ahead of where we were um, or, you know, it's just, it's a different time period, right? I right. Mean, you see it, you see guys that are, true freshmen coming in being impact guys and winning a national title or being all Americans. Um, it didn't work that way before. It was a rarity to have guys back in that time period to come through and, and just be impact. Like they'd have to take a red shirt year and, you know, they would develop or evolve into it. But looking at these guys, you know, from the small, look, Oh, Bassett's my favorite. Oh, Bassett, man. right? He he needed to sign a waiver. They had to have a waiver. He was too young to be at the cadets, right? He was still a schoolboy, <laughs> right? He's still a schoolboy. And he comes in and he tacked or pinned every single guy he wrestled. Right? He's a hammer. Yeah. He's a hammer. And it went all the way up. Every guy was, you know, really um, just their focus, uh, their technical skill. It was great. I, I'll tell you. I've been a part of three cadet teams. Um, I enjoyed that one the the, the most. I, the staff that we had, uh, every it was like an all-star staff, right? Everybody was working um, fantastic together. I remember John Reader. John Reader was there, right? Um, and he he's in the running. Got to be for the nicest guy in the world. No okay. doubt. No, no doubt. I'm telling you right now. Love that I, guy. I, I really didn't know him. Right. I, I knew of him. I didn't know. Him, right. So now I'm, I'm in there and one of the, the, the bigger guys, I, I can't remember exactly. Um, uh, I can't remember who it was, but he was assigned to him. He didn't have his uh, personal coach there. And, you know, you get, you get one uniform a day, right. That you wear. So, you know, the hotel's 25 minutes away. You put on your uniform, you know, you got to have it. They want you looking a certain way, mm-hmm. you know, UWW that, you know, you got your credentials and your, your, your gear. So the athlete looks at reader and he's like, yo, I coach, I need to go with somebody. Um, can you drill with me? And reader doesn't miss a beat. He's like, yeah, I'm in man. I'm yeah, I'm in. And he, it literally, when he was done, it was as if you put him in a shower. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't. I, I I learned this one from Tommy Rollins, right? You can't get wetter than wet. I think <laughs> I think Reader was wetter than wet. I mean, he, he was so soaking wet, and that's how he stayed for the next eight hours. He, you know, he had to he had to stay like that. You know, there was no change of clothes. There was nothing you could do i mean it was just and that showed the sacrifice you know sacrifice i i don't even know if i would have done that right you know, it was a, a thinking like i got no other clothes here but he jumped right in he did it he and it showed that it was a great experience um uh, being at the you know in that world environment uh and for me it's important right i i run a um i do an international tournament so those relationships um we do it every well we have been doing it every right. april uh, this, you know, it's important for me to, to be a part of that cadet world and, and be able to pull those guys over. I and mean, that's kind of one of the things I like to do the most. I mean, on a, 
And I had also read that, you know, I think Flo interviewed you about a bunch of people have interviewed you and you go, I just like being around, you know, people who are great. And like, you got to imagine you spent a week with KJ, John Reeder, even Bo Bassett, who's like 15, like you're going to feel amazing for the next month. Like you're going to feel like a rock star. The only, the only problem I had with all due honesty here was that I had to stay with Lee Pritz and (laughs) he snored so bad. It sounded like um, The Exorcist, the movie The Exorcist. I I was clapping my hands, slapping them. I couldn't get them to stop. Hurting. No, but the staff was unbelievable, right? And I, you know, Kevin Jackson, he was he was fantastic. And in that environment, man, I I, you know, from a development standpoint, I, I don't know. I don't know who's better. I really I really don't. I yeah. I just I come out of there. I was fired up. I was. I really, I would get actually amped up being a part of those, uh, those trips. It was really great. I, I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine how quickly John Reeder was ready to drill. Like if that guy doesn't take a second to think about his clothes or anything like that. He's so selfless. I actually took out my camera. I'll send it to you. I videotaped the sweat that was, <laughs> you know, the first part was it was too hot to begin with. Right. Um, and 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 then he's going you know 100 miles an hour he really when i say all in it was it was a fantastic example of selflessness that's the truth yeah he's the man him and bono came on after they ran that hundred and yeah. just the fact he was that they training he was training for that no. over there you know, I thought that and, was before it he he did this is so he went to the world and then did the yes so he would, you know, time change and he's getting up. He's, he's, he's running at four o'clock in the morning. He, you know, he was, <laughs> he was doing it all. He, he did it all. Crazy, man. Last thing I wanted to ask you about coming in. I noticed on the journeyman website that you guys have a cross functional or cross training system. And I just, you don't see that a lot for the younger kids. And a lot of parents will message me saying, Hey, kid loves wrestling. He practices all the time, but he's just not in good enough shape to execute the moves. So I just wanted to ask you as we sign off, Where'd you like, what is that cross-functional training for those younger guys? Yeah. So we we're in a pause with it right now, but it is something that we have to start up again. It, it, it's been a fantastic program. We have a guy that is, um, he's a part of our, um, neighboring school district, uh, Shaker high school who does, he actually teaches in the school, uh, and they do a lot of, um, interactive, you know, um, what, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for? Like kettlebell functional, like just, just real good, good training. Uh, not, not weight training, but there's just strength and conditioning. It's, it's a uh, functional training, right? Functional training. Um, and guys, you know, they're explosive, whether they're medicine balls, there's slams, there's throws, you know, from, from using those things. And when you're developing, you know, you take a young person, and they're developing, you know, you develop their core, uh, things that are just a little bit more conservative, I think, than, than getting into, you know, weights. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to, you do have to put some focus on that. Right. I mean, it's, it's important guys are hammers now. Yeah. I mean, crazy. It's crazy. And then, you know, we're, we're at a point now where guys are even looking at it and are staying back a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot so of that, that. Can, a lot of that's happening. So you can mature um, physically, mentally, 
Uh, and if you don't do that, you know, you, you're physically you're, you're behind. So you, you have to take that part serious. I, you know, and we have, uh, and I, I, I really tip my hat off to, um, um, the strength training guy, his name is Irby. Uh, and then we have, uh, Sean Miller is my youth guy. Who's, who's really the guy that was, you know, he, he, he runs our youth division. He's, he's fantastic. He's gotta be one of the best youth guys in the, in the country. I just love how all the functional stuff is, is here now and it's here to stay. You know, I, I love the kettlebells. I got some at my floor here. I'm looking back to like what we used to do in high school, like, like doing barbell curls and shit like that. And you're like, yeah. what were we thinking now? Everyone. Well, well, you do it because you, somebody told you, you do it. Right. right. Um, and, and there was a little less science um, behind it right now, you know, I'm, kettlebell snatches, yep. um, you know, you, you can, Oh my Kirk God. Just get up. You, you can, can get crazy. Tor- yeah. You could torture yourself with kettlebells. Um, and I, I love it. You know, I, I, every Sunday I got a guy that comes over and tortures me, you know, or within reason, not, not so much yeah. torture, but you know, puts me through where you don't have to think about it. Right. You're not, you're not thinking about it. Somebody's saying, this is what you do. This is when you do it. This is when you rest. And, uh, you know, I like that because it, it, and it pushes me to be uncomfortable and while still learning, right? You, right. Learn. you learn. I think it's cool. You guys are pushing the envelope there. And if you ever get any content out, I, I'll, I'll reshare. Cause I think it's cool to see high school kids, you know, doing, uh, you know, doing cross training, but doing it with a purpose, you know, not just yep. hammering out 20 curls, but doing some real functional stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big proponent of it. It's a, uh, honestly, it's good that you bring that up too. We, we need to do more of that. Well, I just saw it on the website. I'm like, that's pretty badass. They offer that, you know, the mini, uh, mini men functional training. Yep. So, yep. Well, Frank, it's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed this conversation. I know you got to run to practice. Thank you so much for your time, man. And best of luck uh, at the duels here coming up. I can't wait to watch. Thank you. And you do an unbelievable job. You may have one of the best podcasts out there. I mean, you do a Thank fantastic you, job. Appreciate it, man. That means a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. To see video clips from this interview, please go to Instagram at Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was proudly presented by Spartan Combat. The Spartan Combat Nationals are returning to Jacksonville, Florida, April 8th through the 10th, 2022. Register now at SpartanCombat.com.